Good evening. I'm Tabby Tyler. And I'm Kate France. And tonight we talk about the complicated conundrum of the Kurdish conflict. So grab a beverage. It's time for a night in. Do you ever personify the United States? Like, try and picture the U.S. as an actual single person? Yeah. What kind of person would that be? (laughs) An absentee parent who leaves their children with a desperate need for therapy. (laughs) Like, Elaborate. (laughs) Well, I mean, think about it. America shows up. Creates a problem, usually out of a completely selfish desire. And then once that problem has been fully formed, we completely bail and rewrite the narrative so that no one knows that the problem is something America actually birthed in the first place. Racial inequality is a result of the selfish desire to have slaves develop the land and basically be the engine of our economy. The land grab and manifest destiny was a selfish desire to further our territory and gather more resources, and in so we created the awful position indigenous people are in now. But in both cases, once the problem exists, suddenly we're dodging DNA tests. (laughs) And the situation in the Middle East is no better. Last week, the United States pulled out of Syria entirely, save for some 200 troops. But they left the Kurdish people to fend for themselves. And we've done this before, create political unrest and then bail on our responsibilities. We're about as reliable as a truck stop condom. (laughs) It is interesting that you bring this up, though, because the narrative around this week's upheaval has been pretty divided. You know, you've got one side saying that Trump was irresponsible and unethical and he's created a humanitarian crisis on a whim while the other side is saying we shouldn't have been there in the first place, and that from a realpolitik perspective, this needed to happen eventually. Yeah, let's explore some of the articles that came up in the news this week. There was an article released by The Guardian. Trump is right to take troops out of Syria. Now they must leave Iraq and Afghanistan by Simon Jenkins. With the subheading, the president's motives for abandoning the Kurds is unclear, but the continued U.S. presence in foreign wars is a disaster. In the article, he talks about Americans' disastrous entrance, stating, quote, Nothing in the modern history of the Middle East, not the Taliban or the Saddam Assad regimes, has equaled the horror unleashed by the U.S.'s wars of 9-11. They have come to seem as interminable as they are unspeakable. And he continues to comment on how engaging in the Syrian civil war was foolish, which is true, despite the fact that we were aiding the Kurds in an effort to increase the number, excuse me, in an effort to decrease the number of U.S. service members we deployed to fight ISIS. We nonetheless still embroiled ourselves in politics we had no place in. He states that the president has been unpredictable and unclear with his intentions in the Middle East, and he states that, quote, his desertion of the Kurds and his license to Turkey to invade Syria must rank high in the annals of diplomatic treachery, but endeavors to state that, but for real politic, they are hard to fault. 
And this has been the response of individuals wishing to highlight the practical results of the decision without paying too much homage to the president himself. It's a fine line to walk. Mm. And on the other end of the spectrum, there's been a bevy of articles like one from the Rolling Stone called Here's What Has Happened in Syria in the Week Since Trump Abandoned the Kurds, which I mean, the word choice is obvious here. But the author Ryan Bort makes a cogent argument. He points out all this instability the immediate pullout has caused, right? The escape of 950 ISIS-related individuals, the deaths of over 200 Syrians, the deaths execution style of nine civilians, including a pro-Kurdish Syrian politician named Hevrin Kalaf, uh, American troops under fire from Turkish forces. The list goes on and on, and his point is made. In leaving, we created a huge mess. And the manner in which our commander-in-chief is handling it is further stoking the fires, saying publicly that the Kurds are deliberately releasing ISIS members to get us involved again is inflaming tensions with our allies. And as Bort points out, though the U.S. did remove two high-value detainees, the military made a list of list of five dozen prisoners of critical importance secure, according to the New York Times. Now that Trump has betrayed the Kurds, who are no longer cooperating with U.S. efforts to remove the prisoners and ordered the removal of all U.S. troops from northern Syria, the opportunity to take custody of additional ISIS prisoners is rapidly evaporating. And mind you, the Kurdish people have prevented the U.S. from taking additional ISIS prisoners just out of their betrayal. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. This is, at this point, about honor. Mm -hmm. It's, oh, okay, you came, you saw, and now you want to take these guys with you when you leave. Great, awesome. Or how about no? And then The Guardian also released an article looking at it from a more humanitarian perspective called The Kurds, A Bitter History of Betrayal by Michael Safi. And it very much is painting a history of the Kurds as the true underdog of this fight, which is how it's been sold to us in the past. And it's true. But more than that, the article points out how often Western countries, most especially the U.S. and Great Britain, have interfered in the politics of the region and have, with the change of administrations, committed and then reneged on those commitments to the Kurds. And the article and a lot of articles like it suggest that because of this, there's a debt owed and a responsibility to the region and the people who have been dying for this cause. Which is why the question is, does the U.S. have a responsibility to this problem child? You know, do, do we sign over our parental rights to this problem we created and exit the situation? Do we pay child support? Do we try for split custody until the child is 18? I mean, we did that with Afghanistan and we've been there for 20 years. Yeah, I mean, this is the millennial age where your child stays home for till they're about 30, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, but but no, in regard to your question, no, we we just allow them to rely on distant relatives for guidance. Uh for example, and the New York Times headline, Abandoned by U.S. and Syria, Kurds find new ally in American foe. The article elaborates on the new ally, and guess who that is? Who? Well, the government in Damascus. <laughs> Another interesting take was in the Military Times, the article is titled, U.S. forces scramble for Syria exit as Trump announces sanctions on Turkey. And what I found most interesting about this article was that 
Trump gave President Erdogan the green light to enter Syria. But due to bipartisan concerns about his decision to move out, he has now made appeasement efforts in the promise of sanctioning the Turkish government with the Mm -hmm. president saying, quote, I am fully prepared to swiftly destroy Turkey's economy if Turkish leaders continue down this dangerous and destructive path. Now, to stray away from talking about prevailing opinions in the news, I did want to get a point of view of an individual other than an American. So I went to the market to my house, uh, right by my house that's run by a guy from Syria. Mm -hmm. And at checkout, somebody else was ahead of me, and he asked asked the man, is your family in Syria okay? And he replied, oh, they're hundreds of miles away from the unrest and... um, that they were fine. But I took this as my opportunity to ask him his opinion about the U.S. pulling out of Syria. And he said, well, I'm glad they've pulled out. Really? They should not be there. And they should never have been there. Uh, they are in the Middle East, Middle East for one reason and one reason only. Let me guess. Oil. Oil. There Oil. Go. And he further went on to say that The United States doesn't have to be there for oil because we have enough oil in the U.S. We can go get our oil from Venezuela, but we are strategically doing it because we want to keep China from having access to cheap oil. Which makes sense because when you look at who's backing the Syrian government, you've got Russia, who of course is doing it because they want cheap oil. Exactly. Mm. it's just an interesting point of view. And again, it's not it's not entirely nuanced, but it is the take of an individual who lived in Syria. And to be fair, if you're living through this kind of experience or have, I don't know if your opinion needs to be nuanced, <laughs> considering what is going on in your country. You no, know what I, I mean? I think I actually think it's everybody's responsibility yeah. to to recognize the nuance of opinions because even in the case of this situation, mm-hmm. it's more nuanced than that. Mm-hmm. The nuance is that we shouldn't have been there. The nuance is that we supported a member a party in a civil war. The nuance is that we stepped into a mess that wasn't ours. Mm -hmm. And in trying to step out without making more of a mess, all we did was spread it. Yeah. I'm big on the metaphors tonight. That's okay. (laughs) (laughs) But I think that's the point of us going over different points of views in the media. Mm -hmm. Because there's the emotional feeling that we all feel. But it's also our responsibility to understand everything else. And I Not think, everything, but, you yeah. know, other well, things. To be open to the other sides of it. And I guess my point earlier about living through it is I can understand perhaps why someone's point of view when you've got six different countries dropping bombs on yours, Mm -hmm. why it might not be nuanced. Mm -hmm. You understand why people become extremists Mm -hmm. when you think about it on those terms. You know, what business do all of you people have in my country in the first place? Especially a a country 6,000, you know, something miles away. Yeah. Who has a culture 
thousands of years older than ours, <laughs> to be sure. As uh, what I say, ours, I mean like the United States, we're yeah. 270 years old. Yeah. But yeah, I can see exactly why they would have that opinion. And I can see why when this is history someday, it's going to be the bane of some high schoolers' existence, but it's also going to be what determines Donald Trump's legacy. This and many decisions, but yeah, this decision seems like it's going to potentially in 50 years be considered one of the best things he's ever done. Exactly. You know, and I don't, I'm not, hmm. to our listeners who really know <laughs> Tabby and I, I'm not giving him credit. I'm just saying what hindsight looks like to people who weren't involved. Exactly. This this absolutely could end up having good effects if it means that we are leaving this region Mm-hmm. as a military power. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I don't think that was his intention. I don't think Donald Trump woke up one morning and said, you know mm. what I'm going to do? End the cycle of violence. Exactly. <laughs> and, I, and I have no reason to believe that he prevailed upon this action for any reason other than his own self-interest, and which is, of course, to maintain his campaign promise and to bolster support with his base. In a time when he is facing an impending impeachment inquiry. It has done wonders to distract from the fact that he is facing an impeachment inquiry. Shout out real quick to the New York Times and their nightly impeachment briefings that you can receive in your email Mm -hmm. as a nice reminder that that's happening, that Mm -hmm. there are people both trying to impeach the president and people trying to cover up whatever he may have done. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think it's important in a time when global politics can change on a dime and determine what we're paying attention to. Certainly. That certainly. someone's reminding me every night in my email. <laughs> I do want to say, though, um, this is an opinion, actually. And it's I don't really like giving an opinion too much, but this is an opinion. Think about, had we contributed millions in aid rather than millions in military efforts, what a difference it would have made as our role as interventionalists. I mean, it's like the proverbial the proverbial deadbeat father that we've been talking about, uh, that is America, gave a lot of really elaborate and like unnecessary gifts to these countries when it would have been much more appreciated had he just written a check. Right. Mm. And it's kind of funny because whenever... You know when you go to the movie theater and those giant National Guard and Army commercials are on the screen before Mm -hmm. the movie, and they're always set to some, like, mid-range country band's song about being an American hero, and it's always the soldier rescuing someone out of a flood Mm. or distributing aid in a country that is facing a crisis. We don't, you know, recruit with footage of us dropping drone you know doing drone strikes over civilian targets Mm -hmm. we are recruiting with the thing that appeals to the american people which is using our strength and power to help others i think most americans are good people who want to do that Mm -hmm. otherwise why believe the propaganda you know Mm -hmm. and i think that you're right if we channeled that energy 
-hmm. and the money that we're using on our endless uh, wars endless wars Mm -hmm. yeah and and the money that we're using to make a bigger mess if we did that and and just cut people checks bought food bought medicine distributed aid you don't have to cut checks to governments you just literally just distribute aid you distribute health care i want to do the math on how many like sleeping bags Mm. (laughs) could have been purchased with Mm. this money how many mr MREs, you know what I mean, mm-hmm. could have been purchased with this money, and just medical care, all of that, and you've got Syrian refugees that are still in camps. There is a refugee crisis around the world, mm-hmm. and we aren't taking them in. No, no, no. Let's create a bunch of unrest and then close the door. I also want to throw in one more thing. We we do spend a lot of time laying into the current party in office. Um, But I want to be clear that if this were a Democratic candidate and they had done the same action, we would have laid into them equally. Had we only been doing this podcast in the Obama era, then we absolutely would have let him have it for kind of getting us into this mess in 2014 when he did initiate the uh, coalition. Um, But, you know, we'll see what happens when this election happens. And uh, you guys can hold us to our word if a Democratic candidate wins. I mean, I kind of want to, it's crazy, but I'm almost going to defend Obama here and say, well, Look what he came into after the Bush administration. I mean, you know, the first month of his presidency, the man was dealing with pirates. Mm -hmm. The first president to deal with pirates on a regular basis since Mm -hmm. Thomas Jefferson. (laughs) That's that's a pretty big deal. And he did uh, inherit quite the mess. So, But, I mean, they all left a mess. So did Clinton. Yeah. You know. This is true. It wasn't as big of a mess. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh my god we're partisan mm-hmm. we are partisan we're we so are. partisan clinton left behind a social mess and a no nah, he left behind a political mess yeah yeah yeah. and yeah. a military mess yeah. i mean had hillary been in office we would already be at war with oh yeah no no no, no. Mm-hmm. none of them all of them suck yeah. here that's the official statement from tabby mm-hmm. tyler they all suck, they all suck. <laughs> except for you elizabeth <laughs> <laughs> Kate's chosen her horse in the race. <laughs> right. <laughs> we'll so, see how much of this you use. <laughs> I mean, probably all of it. Okay. It is late. It is really late for it's a night really in. Late. Like it, it we're 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 creeping into like almost a morning in at this yeah. point. So uh we're gonna we're gonna peace out, but thank you again for always listening and supporting us in all we do and all of our nonsense (laughs) we would love to remind you to keep an eye out for model memoirs premiering november 28th starring rachel reed oh she's so charming and we want to thank you for following us on instagram and twitter at tyler and france f-r-a-n-t-z i'm so glad you're doing this closing because i am so tired (laughs) i am coked off off of monster energy drinks And I had decaf coffee. Uh, (laughs) There's never been two polar opposites.
<laughs> than what are sitting in this studio right now. <laughs> We're looking forward to seeing you next week. And in the meantime, hit us up on a hit us up on Instagram. See you. Bye. <laughs> just do the thing. <laughs>